You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. So super excited for today's guest. Dan Zavarotny is the co-founder of NutriSense, a metabolic health company that utilizes continuous glucose monitoring technology to provide real-time data to clients. He launched three months before COVID, and now 26 months later, he has grown the company to over 120 employees and from a most recent valuation to over $150 million. Previously, he worked as a management consultant for KPMG, where he consulted for three out of the five top hospitals in the world. But when Dan's not working, he loves to travel, and he's been over to 100 countries before the age of 30. Super excited. Let's welcome Dan Zavarotny to Making Bank today. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. For sure. I mean, obviously, you started a business, <laughs> most craziest <laughs> time out there with, uh, with everything that was getting pushed at us. Uh, I guess, give us a little bit of your background. Were you an entrepreneur kind of growing up along the whole sure. journey? Or did it just was it one of those, bam, ideas, then you had to run with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. I was actually, I was born in Ukraine, actually. Uh, oh, wow. I moved to the U.S. when I was about nine years old. Okay. Had a pretty decent childhood. And I, I, my parents didn't really have much because we were uh, foreign immigrants. But, I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really know about money or <laughs> right. you don't care about things. Like, you have the same sneakers for years and you don't really care. Uh, and over time, my parents moved to middle class. Uh, I went to American universities and you know, became accustomed to lifestyle here. But a lot of my friends used to always study internationally or go abroad for trips. My parents couldn't send me. So I got really into, hey, I really want to go see the world. And now I'm an adult. I can. So I constantly basically pick careers of that would significantly let me travel the world. So I pick jobs that be like, hey, you get to live abroad in you know Germany for six months or Colombia for six months. I would pick if it was jobs that paid more or jobs let me travel, and I would do, do those right. And I basically just like focus on that over and over, just to, I got a ton of exposure and I got to travel. And then I said, now let's big, build a career. Uh, yeah. And I transitioned to saying, okay, let's give promote as many times as possible. Uh, and I got like super obsessed about like just being the best at whatever company I was at, whatever job I did. Uh, and then after that, I transitioned to, hey, let's do a company myself, uh, my co-founders. And now I got obsessed with building company. And so it's really just, I've noticed, I noticed a trend about myself where I get like hyper-focused in one area and I'm almost obsessive. And I do a lot of that. And then I just move on to the next area. And entrepreneurship's the next thing there, basically. <laughs> no, that's cool. What was one of the biggest th takeaways for you? Um, I, obviously, you've been in 100 different countries, traveled yep. all, all over the world, worked um, you know, abroad for, sounds like, you know, numerous different yep. companies. What was kind of like one of those big takeaways from that journey that you were on at that time? Yeah, I mean, well, there's really, I would say there's two big ones. Sure. One is there's, I would say the world can be split up in, uh, culturally from two different times where people are either relationship-based people or cultures or time-based cultures. Mm. But that mean isn't like, if you look at Germans, for example, if you come to a meeting at 1 p.m., you're late. You got to come five minutes before the meeting starts, right? If, and it's, you ask the same thing. We want to be on time and everything. Sure. Versus a the French, they'll show up 20 minutes late to a meeting. They'll talk about, you know, what they had last weekend, what kind of wine they drank. And no one's in a hurry, right? It's, a, it's more of a cultural relationship building type of culture. So it's more about friendships, relationships, where us Americans and a lot of Western Europeans, like Germans and English, were much more time-based 
where like things are more, you have to get this task done, this task, this timeline. Uh, that's one. And, and also there's one more, I think it's a big one is that in no matter where you go, it's like people, there are people that want to succeed, can't succeed. Right. And you see this across the world, like people who just want to make it happen, make it happen, no matter how hard the circumstances are. And why, yeah, I mean, I guess, what do you, is there a common kind of piece that you took from that? So, you know, if they want to, you know, be successful, if they want to work, what, what was kind of that thing that you yeah. took away from that? Like, why is that? I think some people have an obsession with learning, mm. like just a pure obsession. And uh, it's funny, I just seen that people like, they always try to just, no matter what it is, just try to get the best at that. And I mean, like, for example, people say like, oh, I don't know this topic. They go get a book from the library. They Google, they YouTube, they go find experts. Um, I used to think these things were common until I realized people aren't, this aren't, this isn't common, right? Like it's only some people have this urge to like, I don't have the answer. I'm going to go find someone who doesn't teach me, sure. explains to me. And other people don't. People just live their life. You know, they have their job, they have their career and they do whatever is required. Um, I mean, I have people all the time ask me, like, how do you travel over hundred countries? I'm like, why haven't you? <laughs> right. Uh, what's stopping you? We live in U.S., like one of the best places in the world, probably the best place in the world, I'd argue, actually. And like nothing's stopping people like, oh, I have a career. I'm like, OK, like like what's this? I don't understand. Right. But people have cars, houses, um, crazy mortgages can't afford instead of mm. prioritizing. Right? It's about priorities and people don't prioritize it a lot of times. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting statement, too, is, that, you know, you know they're so focused on like you said the 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 mortgage or the the cars that they d can't really afford any of that but you know where is that happiness where is that you know it, and you know i mean maybe some people don't want to travel to 100 countries but <laughs> they do, yeah and it's completely fine too right <laughs> it's you know it's interesting like uh, my wife i know when uh, she was growing up like her parents never went out of like a 20 mile radius like didn't travel anywhere yep. and so you know when so when she left she was traveled all around the you know, different parts of the U.S. as a traveling nurse and things like that. And, you know, now we travel all around, you know, all around the different, some of the world, obviously, <laughs> kind of a little dampered over the last couple of years <laughs> and everything. But, um, you know what I'll tell you, though? I, I am maybe I'm a little bit crazy in this regard, but I also believe that I don't believe in this idea of balance. Hmm. Uh, I believe in extremes where I've noticed people who are like, they'll, you know, they do a little bit of vacation, a little bit of work, a little bit of this or that. And they end up being okay, like 10 things. Instead, they do one or two things really, really well for a couple of years, get amazing at that. They win, they move on to the next. Because once you overcome and you win at those skills and you get really good, their skills stay with you, whatever it is that you want to do. And then you go to next, next areas. But when you spread your thin, yourself thin across like five, six, seven areas, it's hard to get really good at those things. And I've seen this with everyone, honestly. Like most successful people, they pick one or two things and just do a lot of that one or two things until they get really amazing at the top level of that. Definitely. And what kind of brought you to the realization? Um, you know, I guess what was that spark that started NutriSense? Is you know, I mean, is, sure. did that kind of pull from everything that you've been doing over the last several years? Yeah. So I was doing healthcare consulting, and one of the things I saw over and over as I was meeting these C-suite executives is that healthcare costs per capita in the U.S. kept going up. Yeah. And some of the major costs for that was diabetes, heart disease, uh, Alzheimer's. And these are all linked to lifestyle decisions that are bad, right? Not exercising, stress, um, poor diets. Um, and while simultaneously, while all the healthcare costs keep going up, we keep getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Uh, and a lot of it's to do with marketing food companies, unfortunately, and, you know, prescription companies trying to sell us drugs and try to, you know, yeah. make us stay on that. Um, 
And so I already had, a, I knew I wanted to do something in the space and how to improve the world. I didn't know how exactly. Uh, and then I ran into one of my friends who was living in Silicon Valley at this time. He just sold a company in a different space and he was wearing a thing called a continuous glucose monitor. <laughs> and he asked me, he's like, do you know what this is? And I'm like, actually, yeah, I'm kind of an expert in this area actually. Uh, he's like, hey, I'm thinking about starting this company. Are you interested? Because I don't know anyone who knows anything about this topic. And you seem <laughs> just luckily know. I'm like, yeah, I do. And then so I said, why not? Let's do it. So we launched a company. <laughs> I quit my job. Started. We started. And two weeks later, we launched a product. Uh, he built the version. He was a software engineer by background. He built the first version of the product in two weeks. And then he said, okay, I build, you sell. I said, well, I don't know how to sell. I work in finance, <laughs> finance strategy. He's like, well, someone's got to sell. If there's build and sell, it's only two things that matter, right? And if I'm building, what the hell are you doing? Uh, and I said, okay, what's my budget? He said, zero. And I was like, all right. <laughs> well, then uh, what am I supposed to do? He's like, I don't know. Well, you got to figure out. I'm going to get someone else to work with me because I don't know what are you going to be doing. So I basically said, what are the channels? I just looked at Google. What are the channels I can get marketing? And it's like Facebook, Google, Instagram, Twitter, influencers, podcasts. And influencers seem like the best way to go. So just reach, started reaching out, DMing like thousands of people on Instagram. Mm. And most people just ignored me. And then I got one to respond. I just sent her a device and then she loved it. And she's like, she started posting about it. And we got a bunch of traffic. And I'm like, okay, let's do more of that. <laughs> and now to give you some context, so like two and a half years later, now we, that was, that was one person out of like a, several thousand. Now we do about 150 a, a month of influencers posting for us. Wow. So gotten bigger at that, right? We talk about scaling. All scaling is doing one thing that's unscalable, figuring out the model and just replicating and teaching others to do it more and more and more people doing it, right? No, I mean, just on that note real quick, I mean, what do you think was the key? I mean, obviously, you're DMing thousands of people and you get that one. Yeah. What, um, what then was that kind of that model or that key that now you're able to start replicating over and over to continue to get, you know, additional influencers all the time? Yeah. One of the things I realized really quickly is influencers in some way, like they're all relationship based. And once you get one, uh, you want to treat these people are human beings. And a lot of companies treat these people like almost like a Google or Facebook. You put dollars in, dollars come out, right? And if you treat them like dollars in, dollars out, they also treat you like just a brand and they don't care. So I started developing relationships with these people where I'm actually like providing information to them. I, I looked at it like most influencers really want one of a couple things. Either they want to make revenue, which is, makes sense. They want to educate their audience. Or they themselves are just excited about something you're building and they think it brings value to the world. And one is understand what they actually, what actually is a driver for them. It could be a combination of a couple of those, right? Right. Um, so once you understand that, then once you start providing value to them in that regard, they're more, more willing to actually make introductions to you. So one of the things we start doing is like just creating networks, like seeing who are these influencers connected to? Who are they following? Who's following them? And just actually asking them for introductions to people. And I think people started just making introductions for us. And then from there, now all of a sudden, over time, we better build a net of influencers. Now all of a sudden, we have a brand. So when we reach out to people, people are like, oh, NutriSense, I know you worked with these seven people. Mm. Uh, therefore, you're legit. Because in the end, it's, it's just networking and building brand. And I think people just, and you see this across, these Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nike, they always like run these ads and they spend like millions of dollars on influencer celebrities and they get no revenue from it at all because sure. like those people look at them as like cash in, cash out. They don't care. They know they don't care about them. They don't care about the brand either. So. Now, that's interesting. What um, And obviously, you guys in the beginning, for sure, didn't have the cash to pay them. Your budget was zero, you said. So <laughs> yeah. um, did that create a hurdle for you or you know a challenge or like, I guess? We paid them. So we what we did is we actually paid them on conversion. So we gave mm. them coupon codes. And when somebody converted, we give them a part of the revenue. Okay. 
So interestingly enough, a lot of times the influencers actually made more money doing that model uh, versus we pay you a thousand dollars, you post and you're done. Right. Uh, it reduced the risk for us and basically just mitigated the risk. Like if they if they trust in their platform, they trust the audience, then they will do better because sure. they'll convert. Uh, and it did weed out a lot of people who we would have loved to work with, but they knew they had a high premium. But it reduced the burden for us to do that. No, definitely. It's and I know we we do something similar with uh, our company. Um, we have a health and wellness company, and JP Sears promotes all of our products. So it's yep. you know, and he loved he loved them, and just <laughs> so yeah, I totally understand what you're. And you know, we got people from him all the way down to. The person that has a few thousand followers that love stuff too. So, yeah, and I, we, you probably see us too. Like, you have the micro influencers that are also just as effective sometimes as the macro influencers. But JP's got great stuff. I actually, yeah, follow him as well. I love his comedy content. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. <laughs> what, um, so influencers, you know, you guys are working yeah. that. Um, what's kind of that next big thing that really, you know, helps you guys, you know, get to that 150, you, yeah, not yeah. in revenue, but valuation, right? Valuation. Yeah, okay. exactly. So what, then we started expanding different channels. So then we scaled to Facebook, Google. So when I say Facebook, I mean, Facebook and Instagram, Okay. Uh, Google, YouTube, and then also a big one is SEO through blogs. That's the one thing that I can never understate is important, especially for brands, direct consumer brands. Like people, SEO is one of those things where it sucks to do because it takes like a year and a half to get going. And you see almost no value, but once you get a go and it's like forever revenue without any cost, additional cost, right? With Facebook, you run an ad, you see a dollar, you know, you spend a dollar, you get $5 back. If you stop running ads, it's gone. Yep. With SEO, you spend a dollar, you spend a dollar, you spend a dollar for a year and a half, you see nothing. And then one day you see $500, $1,000, $3,000, and it just keeps coming forever. So you should always, I think it's important to always think about these channels as short-term versus long-term versus mid-term. Uh, and where they stagger. And you always want to think about the long-term channels that are going to become free channels, right? Mm, yeah. uh, it's funny enough, we actually started to become, we went on a lot of podcasts. That was actually a big channel for us. We went on a lot of health and wellness podcasts. Uh, because we were the first company in the world to actually start tracking glucose in real time, this technology didn't exist for non-diabetics. Previously, yeah. it's only been available for type 1 diabetics. Okay. Uh, so we started going on a lot of podcasts. What we do is we actually send devices to people for free. We're like, try this out. Half people didn't open the box. The other people, half people have those open to try it and they're like, eh, I don't like it, it's annoying. And the people that open and try it were like, this changed my life, right? And you, you realize because you have people who, we, now we have people who are like, people who you think are like the healthiest people in the world. We have Olympic athletes who are pre-diabetic. Oh, wow. Because what happens is they eat junk all day because they burn all the calories. They're running around, they're, you know, they're playing sports. So they, they're ripped, they got six packs, but they're literally pre-diabetic. And like, if they don't take care of themselves in five years, they'll be diabetic. And nobody ever tells them just the way you look at outside doesn't mean you're healthy inside. And we right. see it as both directions. We see it where folks will also be a little bit overweight, completely healthy. And it's just like you don't know what's happening inside your body. And this is so valuable to you, right? And so we've now, I think, worked with like 35,000 people. Wow. Anywhere from like type 2 diabetics, free diabetics to people who are Olympic athletes, professional athletes. And everyone's got their own goal. But you'd be amazed like how much tracking your glucose in real time helps you. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, in full, real time, anything you eat or do or drink or smoke or uh, how you sleep or the stress, glucose is impacted by those factors. And you see it the moment it happens. So it's not the one time a year you go and they do your blood and you're like, oh, this looks good or it doesn't look good. So it's any moment in time, like it's, it's kind of incredible, frankly. And so what, um, 
with your guys's kind of with your tech, then obviously you said you know the one guy you met that started the company with, he was wearing another company. So there's other yep. companies out there. So what separates yep. you guys from those? Sure. So previously, uh, this was only available to type one diabetics. Type one diabetics, people who are born with a condition where they take insulin. Sure. Uh, so this was not available for non-type non-type one diabetics. So there were a couple of hurdles here. Uh, hurdle number one was you need a medical prescription from a doctor. Mm. And it sounds simple, but every state has different laws. So you have to actually right. have licenses in all 50 states to write medical prescriptions. That's number one. Number two is even if you get the device because you convince your doctor to give it to you, it's prohibitively expensive because you're just getting one-off. Insurance isn't covering it for you, so you got to pay out of pocket. Number three is also now you get the device. It works great, but it's meant for insulin injection. So the software is basically telling you like, hey, high glucose, take insulin, take this much. It's not actually giving you any factors correlating. So the software we built was, hey, uh, imagine like, you know, MyFitnessPal? Yep. Yeah. The food tracker. We basically built a MyFitnessPal on top of the glucose that also syncs in with your, like basically an O-ring or your Whoop or your Fitbit uh, or your Apple Watch. Okay. So you have all your workouts, all your, everything you want to do inside of it with the food. So now you can identify exactly what is driving the cause that's good and bad. And we also had a dietitian in there. So that addition is an expert health professional who gives you your feedback in real time as well. So it's not only like, hey, you you know, like Fitbit, you walk 10,000 steps, you know, okay, great, walk 2,000 more. This one says, stop now, do this, think about this. And they look at the whole body holistically. Uh, and that's been a huge differentiator, right? And what's fascinating, this is, I know I'm going to sidebar here, but <laughs> it's all good. if you actually, what's fascinating, I, and I was not aware of this until I started wearing these things, is that until you try, you don't realize how unique our bodies are. So you and I can eat the exact same food and have completely different response. So like mm. I can eat chocolate all day, have no negative response, which is crazy. I eat one banana, it looks like I'm type two diabetic for like two hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and people just don't know. That's the thing. You don't know what you don't know. And right. uh, like you're just in shock sometimes. Things you think are healthy for you, just terrible and vice versa. Things are bad are not that bad for you. No, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, I know <clears throat> I track stuff. Uh, with my aura ring and yep. um, cold plunge, you know, cold plunges, you know, saunas. So, you know, kind of doing all that. And actually, I, I think I, <laughs> I, I just got like a couple weeks ago. It was your, one of your competitors ones that Dave no Asprey recommended. So, it's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you ours too, so you can try to check it out. Yeah, so definitely. Like and so, just so people know that are watching, how it just sticks on the back of your arm is that pretty yep. much how it works. Yep, and it penetrates the skin a little bit. Okay. Uh, so it does. That's how it tracks your glucose. There's a tiny little filament that tracks below the skin, and you can see in real time all the time um, how like how your body responds. And so it just sticks in your arm for 14 days. After 14 days, you get rid of it, and you put a new one in. Hmm. Um, it's incredible. I think – go ahead. I apologize. No, it's okay. No, no keep going, and I'll ask you when I – Yeah, I think, I think the, what I'm excited about is the, the horizon is going to come. Right now, it's tracking glucose. The devices that are coming in the future are going to track cortisol – uh, mm. lactic acid, insulin, um, ketones. That's, I mean, that's the world's going. We're just ahead of it. Like you are now, like you're one of the early adopters, but give it five, 10 years and everyone's gonna be wearing these things. They're gonna get miniaturized. Um, so it's gonna get, that's where the future's going. It's pretty exciting. So, no, that's super cool. I, so I was gonna ask is, I mean, that's, you know, that's awesome. You, you know, tracking your cortisol and your ketones and everything else. Now you're really monitoring, you know, hey, how did this work out? You know, oh man, this type of one sustained my cortisol <laughs> all day yeah. long. And I, you know, whereas this, I've, you know, if I do resistant type bands, it doesn't, you know, do that or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the way we live our life for now, let's say working out, you go to the gym, you might run and you're like, I think I'm tired. I'm, I'm going to stop. 
<laughs> but you could have kept going, right? Right. If you knew the data, or you might have had to stop two hours ago, but you didn't know to stop. So it's it's about just improving your health and improving the way you spend your time doing activities. It's just knowledge power. Like I think in our in U.S. society, we have to own our own health. We have For to sure. Take care of it. Uh, so we got a few minutes left. I just want to touch base. Sure. Um, as you guys have grown the company over the last. 26 months, what was some of the big challenges? I know you mentioned probably one was getting the prescription stuff or all the different yeah. these days. Yeah. But I guess kind of enlighten us on some of those different challenges and kind of how you guys work through those. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, one of the biggest challenges, we started this company, we said, okay, uh, this is going to be one of those companies that's going to be huge and we're going to build it to be a multi-billion dollar company. Our goal is to be a $5 billion company next within the next five years. Uh, to do that, we need to venture capital money, right? Mm. And we got, we got some MVP going, we got some customers, let's get it going. And then COVID hit. We're like, all right, we're not paying ourselves any salaries, right? We are paying the, our people we hired out of our pocket and investment doesn't exist because they're like, okay, we're not going to invest. So we had two options, go get our, you know, comfy, cushy, cushy jobs at consulting and, and just relax or keep going. And really it was just said, screw it, let's keep going. Like, let's double down, let's figure this out. Like... Uh, and we just kept pumping, pumping forward. And uh, every month we had a grow month, grow month every month, 20% month over month for 26 months straight. Uh, and revenue started covering employee salaries. Uh, and then when investors looked at it, they just wanted to pour money into it because they're like, wait a minute, you guys are growing during COVID with no, like with nothing, right? Marketing budget of very little. But it's really just being this place where like, we'll go wrong. Yeah. You just gotta say, it is what it is. Like, what's the worst case scenario? Like, still healthy, I'm still alive, like not a big deal, just keep going, right? You get this opportunity once in a lifetime to do something different and it gets harder with age, unfortunately, right? But it's just like, I, I'm a strong believer that like, that no matter what, like every walk can be broken. Like we're not launching space rockets, right? We're not Elon Musk here. We're not doing brain surgery. Every problem in business that happens is a solvable problem. Every one of them. It, the funny part is if you think about it, it's all a human interaction. Every problem that we have is a problem with another human. That's blocking yeah. our entry to that solution. Right. So it's figuring out a way to work with that human or find another human to work with or work around that human. Um, but every problem is very solvable in my mind. No, I think that's so true. I mean, it's it's just there. It's just how are you going to figure out a way to get around it, how to get through it, like you said, and everything else. Um, and then just one last, you know, get your thoughts, you know, where are you at with the, so you're from Ukraine, so yep. craziness yep. going on in Ukraine right now yeah. uh, with Russia and everything. I guess, where's your mind with that and, and, and thoughts on all that? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fascinating ride, right? I mean, we have, um, I have family there. Uh, we also have hired some software engineers in Ukraine. Mm. And so you have this dynamic where, you know, people in Ukraine, we're trying to like relocate them to Poland, Belarus, Romania. Sure. So one, and, you know, we all live in Slack in our company. Um, and so one side of part of it is like people are like crying, like stressed out, like their lives falling apart. And other side's like people posting pictures of dogs, right? And they're like, <laughs> look at my cute dog. <laughs> and it's just like the, sometimes that takes a little bit of hit, a, a heavy toll. It's almost like the mindset shift back and forth. It's almost right. like, let's deal with just the drama all day today. And then we could do the fun stuff tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so that's been a little bit of a interesting stressor, but, uh, I think so far, most of our folks are safe. Uh, actually all of our folks are safe. Not most all of them. So we're making progress there. And I just hope this ends very soon because it's a devastating situation, really. And one person administration is making a mess for the whole world, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Um, yeah. Where can people get more information on NutriSense? And... 
Sure. You guys can check out Nutrisense.io. That's N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E.io. Uh, or check me out on LinkedIn, Dan Zavrodny. Uh, reach out anytime with any questions you have about anything. Happy to help. Awesome, man. Uh, Dan, really appreciate your time today. Guys, go back, watch this again, listen to it again. Take those notes. Listen to what Dan talks about. He drops some amazing insights on growth and mindset and uh, different things about even just your health and and data and how that can help you live better and healthier and you know, just uh, be able to be a better version of you than what you're doing today. So again, go back, watch, listen to this again, and take those notes when you're not driving. And again, Dan, thanks for coming on Making Bank today. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Josh. Really appreciate it. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.